Hello, friends. Welcome to Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik. I am the very same Michael Rydelnik. I'm professor of Jewish studies and Bible at Moody Bible Institute. I'm so glad to be with you every week as we talk about your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. This is our Bible study across America and the world, because people listen in from all over the world. But it's a special edition of Open Line. Uh, It's a pre-recorded edition, and so there are no calls today. The reason we're doing this special pre-recorded edition is we're talking about 50 Most Important Bible Questions, a new book that uh, has come out from Moody Publishers. I'm the author, and so rather than interview myself about this book, I've asked a friend of mine to join me today as co-host. His name is Cisco Cotto. He's well-known to Chicago area listeners. He's on the radio here and a well-known broadcaster, but he's also the campus pastor at Village Bible Church in suburban Chicago. He's an adjunct professor of preaching and discipleship at Moody Bible Institute. And most importantly, the reason I've asked him to join me here is he's my friend. Thank you, Cisco, for being here with me. It's great to be here. Can I tell you, I've been on the radio in Chicago for more than 20 years, so my kids can hear me on the radio all the time, whenever they want. Yeah. And when they found out I was going to be on open line, <laughs> I have finally arrived. I mean, you, you should have seen it. It was it was really pretty funny. Well, I'll be sure to have you on further. They uh, love next, this show. Yeah, next time I'm going to have you answer the questions. But today you're asking them, I'm answering them. We're talking about 50 most important Bible questions. And we joked last hour about how I couldn't very well say, well, Michael, what prompted you to... Uh, write this book or anything like that. So I'm, I'm... You can't interview yourself. No, you can't do that. Yeah, it's so, awkward. Yeah. Uh, so I've asked you to do that with me today, and I'm so grateful that you said yes. Uh, we're going to take a few more questions from the book this hour, uh, which, by the way, is our current resource on OpenLine. If anyone's interested in uh, in getting the book, they, one of the ways they could do it is give a gift of any size to OpenLine, and uh, then as a way of saying thank you, we'll send you 50 most important Bible questions. Uh, but also, uh, we want to. I, wa- I think I want to narrow some of them, and maybe even take some questions beyond what the book has. Uh, questions that you've talked with me about in recent weeks. So yeah, there's one question here, that, and I I think uh, you know because you and I talked on the phone just a couple weeks ago, and we got off on about a, a you know 20 minute conversation on this topic of. Uh, Israel, the Jewish people, Israel and the church. And so you have a question in the book, are the Jewish people still God's chosen people? Uh, And I think that's probably going to start a a pretty good conversation here. Um, Because there you have people on both sides who say, they believe in the authority of scripture. You know, Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're not people who ignore scripture necessarily. And yet you have people who would say, no, they no longer are. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, they are. So help us to understand, maybe the beginning, help us understand kind of the issues there that yeah. divide people on this idea of Israel. Well, the, obviously, Jewish people do not believe in Jesus. Now, some do. I do. I'm Jewish. And there are many Jewish believers, hundreds of thousands of us. But of the millions of Jewish people in the world, most don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And we've not. most Jewish people have not put their trust in him. And so as a result... Uh, something developed that was called replacement theology or uh, supersessionism. Some people call it that. Others call it uh, uh, sort of an inclusive theology that God has redefined the term Israel, which used to refer to the Jewish people, and now it refers to anyone who believes in Jesus. So uh, they've they've expanded the definition of Israel from an ethnic definition to a 
a sort of a spiritual designation. Where they'd almost say it was really always that. Exactly. Right? And yeah. so you, you thought it was ethnic, but it really wasn't yeah, ethnic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although in the Old Testament, it's so clear that Israel is the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's an ethnic designation. So the question really becomes, is God faithful to his promise to ethnic Israel, even though they don't believe in Jesus? Do Jewish people remain chosen? And uh, there's a couple of passages in Scripture. Now, one of the things that I will say is there's two kinds of chosenness. Let's say it that way. You read Ephesians 1, it says that any follower of Jesus, Jew or Gentile, was chosen, elect, chosen before the foundation of the world. So spiritual election or election to salvation, every person who believes in Jesus, yes, you are chosen. We are chosen. Yeah. But there is a uh, this other issue of being in of the chosen nation, and people would like to say, "Well, does why would God still have a chosen nation?" Well, you look at the Book of Romans, and the New Testament doesn't speak about this chosen nation issue very much. But I believe in Rome, they were encountering what I would think would be incipient or the beginnings of replacement theology in Rome. They were, you know, because you imagine if you're a believer in Rome. That's right. I'm from Rome. That's right. You know, yeah. I, if you can't make it here, you can't make it anywhere. You know, it, it was the, that's the place. And so they thought, well, now that we believe in Jesus, we are the chosen people and God's through with those Jews. And so Paul needs to address it. That's why in the book of Romans, you find more mention of this issue than anywhere else. In Romans 3, uh, he asks this question. So what advantage does the Jew have? What's the benefit of circumcision? Then he says, considerable in every way. First, they were entrusted with the word of God, with the oracles of God, okay? So, by the way, he says first, and he doesn't say second until much later. He doesn't deal with the, any second issue. So you might say he's going to start primarily, what's the benefit of being Jewish? Jewish people were entrusted with the word of God. And then he asks this question, which I think is so crucial. What then? If some did not believe, will their unbelief cancel God's faithfulness? That's the very question. Most Jewish people did not believe. Does this cancel God's faithfulness to Israel? And Paul's answer is the strongest phrase in Greek that he could use. It's the phrase, may genoito, may it never be, absolutely not. No, 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 exclamation point. That's what he says. So their unbelief didn't cancel God's faithfulness. God must be true, even if everyone else is a liar. So God's going to keep his promise to Israel, Paul says, regardless. Now, they will one day be brought to faith, but nevertheless, God is faithful. And then in Romans chapter 9, uh, he talks about his great heartbreak at the unbelief of Israel. Paul writes as an apostle how he would be willing to give himself up to be separated from Jesus forever if only it would mean that his people could be for, be with him, uh, know the Lord, uh, his great compassion for his people. And he says, my brothers, my own flesh and blood, they are Israelites and to them belong. And by the way, the great Greek scholar Thomas Schreiner emphasizes that all this in verses four and five, all these 
benefits that God gave Israel as his chosen people are in the present tense and they remain true today. All these things still belong to Israel. They are Israelites, to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, the promises, uh, the ancestors or the ancients are theirs. That means the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And from them, by physical descent, came the Messiah. Even the Messiah is an Israelite. He's Jewish, uh, who is God overall. So what Paul is saying here is God has given tremendous blessing, which remains, which continue to belong to the Jewish people, even in the place where they are, where they're not believing in him. I've got one more verse for you, because I think these passages just ring the bell here and say, yes, right, right. Uh, these are the chosen people. In Romans eleven twenty eight, Paul asks this. He says, regarding the gospel, they are enemies. He's talking about the Jewish people. They are enemies for your advantage. Now, when he says they're enemies, a lot of people say, oh, look, the Jewish people are the enemies of God. That is not what this is saying. It is saying they are enemies of the gospel, meaning they are opposed to the gospel. I'd say anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus is opposed to the gospel, but they are resistant to it, no doubt. But then it says, but regarding election, now you and I know this, the word election is just a big word. What does it mean in normal language? Chosen, chosen. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so regarding chosenness, they are loved. So even though they have opposed the gospel, and he says, by the way, it's for your advantage. If you're not Jewish and you're listening to this, how is it to your advantage that Jewish people have opposed the gospel. It was that Jewish rejection of the gospel. In Romans 11, 11, uh, Paul says that now salvation has come to the Gentiles. The reason, because of Israel's resistance to it, the gospel goes forth to the whole world. It's to your advantage that Israel rejected the gospel and opposes it. And uh, they are loved. Love is the language of choice. It says in Malachi chapter 1, Jacob I have loved. Esau have I hated. That doesn't mean that God had a, a visceral feeling of hatred. It means Jacob I chose and the rejected one hated was Esau. So when it says here uh, regarding chosenness, they are loved or they remain loved, that's still the language of choice because of the patriarchs, because God made promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he says, since God's Gracious gifts and calling are irrevocable. The gifts that God gives can't be taken away. And when you think about what are the gracious gifts, we just looked at it in Romans 9, verses 4 and 5. The adoption of sons, the giving of the law, the priesthood, all those things that God gave to Israel remain theirs uh, because God is, is not going to take back, break, um, he's not going to take back his promises. He's not going to uh, be unfaithful. The great emphasis here is on the faithfulness of God. And, and so, yes, the Jewish people are chosen. But you know the question I often get? What? Well, what difference does it make? <laughs> so what? Yeah. I, you know, what, what difference does it make? I, I have a lot of students that say that. I'm going to take a break here. Okay. We come back. Let's talk about does it make any difference that God is faithful to his promise? That's okay? good. That's good. Okay. We're going to come back in a moment with a... Uh, uh, further discussion. You want to know what difference does it make if God is faithful to his promises to Israel? Then keep listening because you're listening to Open Line with Michael Rydelnik, my co-host, Cisco Cotto. We're going to keep talking about 50 most important Bible questions and particularly a couple questions about Israel. So stay right there. We'll be right back. 
Why does God allow bad things to happen? Is it possible to lose my salvation? Which Bible translation is best? If you've ever wondered about these questions, you'll want to check out my book called 50 Most Important Bible Questions. Request a copy today when you give a gift to OpenLine. Call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. Welcome back to Open Line. My co-host today is Cisco Cotto. He's a good friend, radio broadcaster, pastor, professor, all-around good guy. And I am so grateful that he is here with me. And we're talking about 50 Most Important Bible Questions. My new book just came out, just dropped this week in the professional writers. Just dropped. It yeah. just dropped, yes. <laughs> uh, this past week, I'm so grateful for that. And uh, it's, it's our current resource. So uh, if you would like it, you can give a gift of any size to OpenLine. And uh, when you do that, we'll say thank you by sending you a copy of 50 Most Important Bible Questions. The phone number is 888-644-7122. Not to ask a question, but rather if you want to give a gift or you can go to openlineradio.org and uh, you can give a gift that way as well. Anyway, we were talking about yeah, so I'm selfishly asking all the questions today. Yeah, it's right. Very, it's, it's really good, though, because they all come from 50 most important Bible questions. Yeah. And before the break, we were talking about, uh, are the Jewish people still God's chosen people? And you raised the question that, that you get from people a lot, even some students at Moody. Well, okay, even if they are God's chosen people, well, what does it matter that they're mm-hmm. God's chosen people? So what does it matter? Yeah, well, you know, when we look at the argument of the book of Romans, because that's where it comes up the clearest in Romans 9 through 11, that God is going to be faithful to Israel. You look at the argument of Romans, Paul says in Romans 8 that nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, right? He's so adamant about that. Chapters 1 through 3 is our sin, our great need for redemption. Chapters 4 and 5 is about justification, the means of redemption. Chapters 6 through 8 is about sanctification, which is uh, the... Uh, product of of redemption now that we are saved. Uh, but then it seems like, what is he talking about Israel for in 9 through 11? <laughs> Where does that come from? <laughs> you, you know, when I was in college, I was going to lead a home Bible study. And so I went to the bookstore, Christian bookstore, to, to get a Bible or a, a Bible study guide on Romans. And so I picked one up and it said it covers Romans 1 through 8 and 12 through 16, but there's nothing on Romans 9 through 11 because it's insignificant to the argument of the book. <laughs> and they left out three chapters of the Bible. It's a throwaway. It's scripture, but yeah. it's a throwaway. Yeah, we yeah. don't need it. It's about Israel. <laughs> but at the end of Romans 8, he says, nothing's going to separate us from the love of God. And throughout the book of Romans, there's this unseen objector. Uh, he's the one that Paul always says, you may say. And then then he says, may genoito, you know, uh, and so may it never be. Yeah. And so he's always answering this unseen objector. And you could just almost hear the unseen objector saying, wait, nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. Well, what happened to Israel? They're separated. They lost everything. And so then Paul picks up Romans 9 through 11 to say, look, I want to vindicate the faithfulness of God. He will be faithful to every promise. What Today, there's faithfulness in that there is a remnant of Jewish people who believe. That's why he says in Romans 11, when has God rejected his people? May it never be. Uh, Why? Because there's a remnant. I'm part of that remnant today. There's always a remnant according to God's gracious choice. That's the part of the whole. But one day, 
all Israel will be saved. One day, the entire nation, before the return of the Lord Jesus, will look to him in faith, and they will believe in him, and then the whole nation will be saved. And when that happens, he will return. And so God is always going to be faithful to his promises. The point of that is, we can be assured that he will be faithful to us because he will be faithful to Israel. If God can break, uh, break faith with Israel, he could break faith with us. But God's always going to be faithful. Let every man, as Paul says in Romans 3, be called a liar, but God's going to be faithful. One of the things that is said by people who, who would no longer see a distinction between the church and Israel, mm-hmm. one of the things that they say is, Okay, yeah, there are all these promises. God's going to be faithful to these promises, of course. He's a promise-keeping God. And yet they point to Jesus and they say all of those promises, everything we see in the Old Testament, it's all about Jesus. So all of these promises are fulfilled in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a way of them saying it, it, it's not about the Jewish people. It was never about the Jewish people. It was never really about the nation of Israel, uh, ethnic, spiritual, however you want to break it down. It was always about Christ and him. And it would seem as though, and help me with this, it would Mm -hmm. seem as though Paul, who is writing this as a Christian, after Christ lived, died, went Mm -hmm. back to heaven, that he very easily could have said that. Yeah, he could have said it. Yeah. He just didn't want it. And he didn't, because that's not conceivable. I mean, that's not what he believed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He believed that God was going to be faithful to Israel, to ethnic Israel. And he thought that was so vital, because if God would for any reason, be unfaithful to Israel, then he would be unfaithful to any follower of Jesus. That's why he says that. Now, people, I think, have misunderstood Galatians 3.16. That's that's where they're coming from when they say that. Uh, in Galatians 3, uh, this is what Paul says. I, I think this is, uh, they're misunderstanding something. He says, now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds as though referring to many, but referring to one and to your seed, who is the Messiah, who is Christ. Now, they say, so the seed of Abraham, they say, is Jesus the Messiah. And therefore, he's the fulfillment of everything. There's no promises to a people. It was never about offspring or anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, what I think yeah. is so interesting is uh, people then say, well, you know, Paul really doesn't understand Hebrew because the word seed, is, like Paul didn't know Hebrew, but... <laughs> The word seed, best translated offspring, can have an individual sense. You can have one child, he's your offspring, right? Or it can have a collective sense where your offspring could be all your descendants, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they would say, well, you know, the way it was used in Genesis, it was used in the collective sense. And here Paul is saying, it's like he's he's making a big deal that it wasn't plural, it was singular, but they're always singular. The form is always singular, but and he says it's always fulfilled in Jesus, and it was never intended to be that way. I think it misunderstands the Old Testament completely. And so I'm going to talk about for a minute with you, Genesis 22. Okay. okay. I'm going to turn there as yeah. you are talking about okay. it. I think this is the key to understanding what Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 3. This is after the binding of Isaac and the deliverance. And God then says to Abraham, uh, uh, he says, I will indeed bless you and make your seed or your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. That's 22.17. Now, obviously, he's using the word seed. If he's talking about as many as the stars of the sky and the and the uh, sand of the sea, 
That's the collective usage. It's the many. Correct. Yeah, yeah. he's talking about it that way. He's talking about, so he means Israel there, right? The descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Uh, and then it's interesting. Uh, it says in the next line, in the middle of verse 17, there's a new sentence. And that's very clear in Hebrew. It, there's a new sentence beginning. And in, in Hebrew, if the next sentence continues the thought of the previous one, there's a special grammatical usage there. This doesn't have it. So it's saying, new thought, new thought, yeah. new thought. Separation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and here it says, and your seed or your offspring will possess the gates, and many versions say, of their enemies. But the English, the Hebrew actually says, your offspring, your seed, will possess the gates of his enemies. And when it uses the singular pronoun, now we're sure that the second part of the verse, when it uses the word seed, it's talking about an individual because it uses a singular pronoun. And that's a grammatical rule. If there's a singular pronoun referring back to seed, it means it's talking about an individual. So he said two things here. There will be many descendants you'll have, but also you're going to have an individual particular descendant and he will possess the gates of his enemies. He's going to be the ruler overall. And then it says, and all nations of the earth will be blessed in your offspring, because you have obeyed my command. And so he is saying that one particular one, he is the one that will bless the nations. He's the very one. And uh, so basically here in Genesis 22, there's two promises. God's got promises for all the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he also has a particular promise that there will be one descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, one particular Jewish descendant who will bless the whole world. And they are both true. What Paul says is, I am focusing here on redemption, on the blessing of the whole world in Galatians 3. I'm not talking about the many. I'm talking about the individual. And he is the one that will bless the whole world. So in Galatians 3.16, what he is doing is not negating the promises to the many. He's just focusing on the one, the promise of the one individual who will come and be the blessing for the whole world. And that's where you, you can't have both, yeah. which I, I think so often... Uh, there's this belief that you can have one or the other. Yeah. You know, either it's uh, Israel plural, uh, offspring plural, or it's Israel. No, it's all Christ and yeah. offspring singular. And it's really interesting to hear you go through Genesis 22 and show it's how both. E well, but I think a lot of people would assume it's always plural in or, the Old yeah, Testament. Collective. Right? Yeah. It's always collective. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, collective. And then in the New Testament, it gets changed. Yeah. Right, and it's no. just not. It's all, not all the way Paul it is. is doing. If you, if you, Paul, to be consistent, he would say, "Yes, God has promises for collective Israel. That's what Romans nine through eleven is about. Yeah. But He also has a promise for one particular descendant of Israel, the Messiah, and He is the one that redeems the world. Isn't that cool? And, That's great. And, and it was always there. It's in the Old Testament too. Uh, in, in the prophet Isaiah, when it talks about Jesus, uh, when it talks about the Messiah, it says it wasn't enough for you to be the salvation of Israel, I'm going to make you a light to the nations. Uh, it's it's not enough. The, the, our king is too great just to be king of Israel. He's going to be the king of the world. That's right. Watch what I do through you. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Really. That's it. We, we touched on this earlier, but I'm, I'm thinking about Romans 3, the passage that you read just a few minutes ago, uh, where Paul is is having this interaction with this mystery, you know, the dialogue partner, yeah. whoever he or she is. Uh I just want to emphasize that when he says, for example, so what advantage does the Jew have? You know, at any point in there, he could have said, 
listen, Jews, you have this history. It was beautiful. God did great things through you. You know, you're, but now we're moving on. Yeah. New paradigm. Everything's. <laughs> you're done you know, now. We got something right. else, right? That's right. So go join a church, yeah. you know, and that's, that's the, you know, because yeah. there's really nothing for you anymore. Yeah. But And he doesn't say. He that. doesn't. He really emphasizes that God has a great plan for Israel and he's going to fulfill it. Uh, and, and again, we, we need to give the gospel to all people, including Jewish people. There's We're only saved by grace through faith in Jesus the Messiah today. There's no, you know, special entrance uh, that you get just because of your Jewish heritage. We, but those national promises that he made, God's going to be faithful to them. And the ultimate national promise he made is one day all Israel will turn to him in faith. What a great day. And that's when Jesus will return. So anyway, we're going to be back with more of your questions that you have used and I have put into the book, 50 Most Important Bible Questions. So we're going to talk about that. Thanks, Cisco Cotto, for joining me as my co-host. We're going to continue. Be right back. Jewish people will soon begin observing Passover, such a meaningful celebration of redemption. To help you learn the significance of this festival, Chosen People Ministries is offering a free booklet, Passover, A Time for Redemption. While explaining the exodus from Egypt, this book will also show how Passover foreshadows the death and resurrection of Jesus. For your free copy, just go to openlineradio.org and click on the link that says, A Free Gift from Chosen People Ministries. Don't miss out on this offer. Some of the most confusing passages of Scripture contain the most important truths. If you'd like clarity on some of the biggest biblical mysteries, be sure to request my book called 50 Most Important Bible Questions. Request your copy today when you give a gift of any amount by calling 888-644-7122 or go online to openlineradio.org. We're back. Cisco Cotto and I are back. I'm Michael Radelnik, and we are talking about 50 most important Bible questions. And it's it's really important to remember today, no phone calls, don't call in. Uh, you can always go to our website, which is openlineradio.org. You can uh, click on Ask Michael a Question. You can post a question, and it will be in next, next week's. Normally, we would have the FEBC mailbag right now. Uh, but uh, don't call in today because, or don't send it in today expecting us to answer it right away. It'll go into next week's mailbag. But we are talking about this book, 50 Most Important Bible Questions, which are all derived from questions that you have asked me through the years, whether by mailbag or on the phone. And uh, we're talking about that. So, Cisco, uh, I think we're moving a little bit beyond some of the questions, like follow-up questions to things that are in the book, right? Yeah, well, this is how it normally goes when you and I are talking. Yes, yeah. we, we start with one thing and then we go, what about that? And yeah. what about that? And what about that? And it's, it's, it's nice to be able to do it on the radio. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned the, uh, the, the term ethnic Israel earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay, so help us to understand uh, ethnic Israel versus spiritual Israel. Is that where where the breakdown comes here, where, where people don't have an accurate understanding of that? Are those even the right terms? Help mm-hmm. us to understand When this. we talk about Israel, we're talking about the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's national Israel. 
sometimes we call that ethnic Israel. Uh, it's the people, the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what has happened is the New Testament uses the term 73 times. 71 times it's indisputable that the term only refers to the Jewish people, the word Israel. I mean, that's, that's pretty overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. Now, there are two other places that the word is used, and we talk about that in the book as well, in the sections on Israel. So uh, maybe we can talk about those two other passages that are potentially uh, saying that maybe God has expanded Israel to include the church. Okay? Because that's sort of the belief that it's it's Israel has has transformed. You know the mm-hmm. the the ethnic nature doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are clearly Jewish people, but mm-hmm. it, it, for for God's plans and purposes, it doesn't matter anymore. And so, don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. You know, just that's focus true. on the spiritual. Is is kind of the mindset, right? And so, the the very first place is uh, Romans uh, nine. We talked about verses four through six, four through five, where it talks about all the blessings of Israel. And then it says in verse 6, but it's not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Neither are they children, because they are Abraham's descendants. Uh, and so what people say, oh, look, the, the people of Israel are no longer the people of Israel. There's a new Israel, the spiritual Israel, and that's the church, those who believe in Jesus. Uh, it's expanded. The definition of Israel has expanded to the church. Now, what's so interesting is virtually all New Testament scholars, even those who hold to this expanded view of the church, recognize that that's not what Romans 9 6 is saying. Uh, it's saying, if you want to be the truest Israel, it's not enough just to be ethnically Israel, but the truest, the most true of all, are the Jewish people who also believe in Jesus, the remnant, like me. Sure. You know, yeah. those are the truest Jews. Now, I'm not saying it because it's me, but that's what Paul is saying. It's sort of like when I talk with Moody students and I say, uh, are you a Moody student? And all my Moody students will say, oh, yeah, I'm a Moody student. I said, did you go to all the basketball games? Well, no, I had to study. And uh, did you go to all the events that were available? Did you go to the soccer games? Did you cheer them on? Uh, did you m- never miss chapel? Did you, you know, and of course they say, no, no. Well, I, and I say, no, a true Moody student. A true Moody student wouldn't just be matriculated here at the school, but she would go to every basketball game, every soccer game, every chapel, never miss class. That's what a true Moody student is. Uh, Now, that's not saying that everyone else isn't a Moody student. That's a Moody student. It's just saying that the, the best of all, the truest of all, are these ones that do all these things. Now, what Paul is saying is the true Israel, uh, the most Israel, the truest Israel not just Jewish people who are descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but Jewish people who have believed in the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. Now he's narrowed truest Israel even smaller to being Jewish people who believe in Jesus. Sort of it's one thing to be ethnically yeah. part of Israel. It's another to go, I'm ethnically part of Israel and I believe in Jesus as the yeah. Messiah. That's what spiritual Israel is. People ask me all the time, uh, they say to me all the time, well, I'm spiritually Israel. 
Mm, no, not really. <laughs> uh, the Jewish people who believe in Jesus are spiritual Israel, and Gentiles who believe in Jesus are spiritual Gentiles. Yes, yes, that, right. So, that's yeah, good. spiritual Israel is not a group of people. Yeah, right. I mean, do, do you do you even Ju- like that terminology, spiritual like Israel? No, I don't like it. Yeah. But if we're going to talk about spiritual Israel, it's it's Jewish people who believe in Jesus. It's a confusing term. Yeah, because it, yeah. it makes it seem as though you have really three groups of people. Yeah. Where you have Israel, or in our modern context, Jewish people, yeah. spiritual Israel, Jewish people who follow Jesus, and then this other group of people who are not Jewish but they follow Jesus. Yeah, they're, they're well. I'm Jewish by heart. Well, no, no, you're uh, <laughs> you're, you're Jewish Gentile. or you're not, right? Yeah, someone said to me uh, that you know Gentiles who believe in Jesus are not Gentiles anymore. Uh, don't call me a Gentile. And I, I think, well, read Romans 11. Paul says, I'm writing to you who are Gentiles. And as much as I magnify my ministry, apparently Paul thought that these Gentiles in Rome were still Gentiles, even though they believed in Jesus. Uh, the other verse that people like to cite about spiritual Israel is Galatians 6.16. Uh, you know that passage. Okay, yeah, so well, yeah, I'm going to turn that. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, I think that's actually one we've talked about together uh, where we just kind of had these rambling phone conversations that we have about the Bible. When we say we should be on the radio, we yeah, probably this this is good. This is really a good <laughs> conversation. Yeah, hey, we should. This. this should be on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the end of Galatians, after there was this whole problem with legalism about some people saying, if you really want to be saved, what you have to do is, if you're a Gentile, you need to convert to Judaism be circumcised, convert to Judaism, and then believe in Jesus. And Paul says, no, no, it's justification by faith. This has been settled. Uh, It's by grace through faith. That's it. Justification is that's the only way, by faith. And uh, he's kind of harsh with these people who are advocating conversion to Judaism and circumcision. You know, he says some really, really harsh things about them. Let them be anathema uh, for adding to the gospel, adding works to the gospel. And... uh, he, he just really lets him have it. And then at the end, and it's kind of a, a, and he's saying for Gentiles, for both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters is a new creation. You need to have faith, become a new creation. And then he says at the end to kind of like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a blessing here. After being so harsh, the whole epistle is harsh. He says in verse 16, may peace come to all those who follow this standard. You know, a blessing of peace on all those who follow this teaching that I've given. And mercy, and some versions say, may peace and mercy on all those who follow the standard. uh, And mercy to the Israel of God. And so people are saying, Paul is saying that the Israel of God now is our Jews and Gentiles together who have genuine faith in Jesus and believe in justification by faith. I don't think that's what he's doing. Uh, then he would trans- we would translate it even to the Israel of God. May uh, peace come to all those who follow this standard, even mercy to the Israel of God. That's not what he says. The word and is clearly and. The simplest definition is and. What he is saying is I'm giving a blessing to everyone who agrees with my teaching, and I want to give a special blessing to the Israel of God. Who is he talking about? The Jewish people who believe in Jesus, who are not advocating circumcision for Gentiles, who is who are not advocating uh, conversion to Judaism before they can believe. He's talking to those Jewish believers like James in uh, the book of Acts, in Acts 15. He's talking to those Jewish believers who are saying, no, no, it's justification by faith. He wants to give them a special blessing. 
because they have been faithful to the gospel. So once again, when he uses the word Israel here, he's not talking about Jews and Gentiles together. He's talking about Jewish believers in Jesus. In the Old Testament, because we we have a lot of these discussions about the New Testament, in the in the Old Testament, do you have this? Okay, we don't like the term spiritual Israel, but do, do you have this? These people who are yes, they're ethnically Jewish. Clearly, they they're descendants, mm-hmm. and yet they're not faithful. They're not yeah. following God. I mean, we we yeah. see that, right? Yeah. In in the book of Jeremiah, it talks about people who have a, a circumcised heart. Uh, yeah. They're not just circumcised flesh, but they have a circumcised heart, and that's what they need. Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel thirty six talks about when Israel will one day not just have a circumcised flesh, but one day when they believe in Jesus as a nation, they will have circumcised hearts, tender hearts to God, the new covenant, experience the new covenant. So yeah, it's it's there. The Old Testament saying the same thing uh, as the new, that it is by grace, through faith, justification comes by faith and uh, not by any kind of active works or or behavior like circumcision, so. And yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, so Romans, Paul saying, Jewish, great, but you need to follow Jesus. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Being Jewish, great advantage. What advantage? Many. But the most advantageous, we have a Jewish Messiah to believe in. That's the best. We're going to be back with more questions from 50 Most Important Bible Questions. I'm Michael Rydelnik, my co-host today, Cisco Cotto. So stay right there. We're coming right back at you. Every weekend, Open Line is here to help you understand God, the Bible, and the spiritual life. You ask the questions, and I try to answer straight from Scripture. When you become a Kitchen Table partner, you're not only keeping this program on the radio and Internet, you're helping others to hear the truth, and you'll receive exclusive benefits like regular Bible study moments by me offering insight and encouragement. Become a Kitchen Table partner by calling 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. Welcome back to Open Line. I am Michael Rydelnik, and joining me today as my co-host is Cisco Cotto. We're talking about my new book, 50 Most Important Bible Questions. It's our current resource, and uh, if you'd like to get a copy for a gift of any size, we will say thank you by sending you a copy. All you have to do is call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. And by the way, when you're at openlineradio.org, there's all sorts of links that you might find helpful uh, about trips to Israel and uh, listening to past programs or... uh, Becoming a Kitchen Table Partner, all sorts of really helpful tools there. So uh, take a look at our website. So Cisco, uh, are we going to continue with this? Do you have other questions for me or are we just going to schmooze now? I have a question. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd love to just catch up. Right? Yeah, yeah I'm right. sure. Yeah, everyone listening would love that. That'd be really exciting. Yeah. Inst- How's your wife? Let's, yeah, yeah, that's right. right. Exactly. Your kids are getting big. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about Israel, the church, ethnic Israel, people who follow Jesus. Help me to understand the future for Israel. Mm. What if, if obviously the goal is for any Jewish person to uh, to see Jesus as Messiah and to place their faith in Him and follow Him? Um, what what is the future for Israel on this earth? Uh, you know, I mean, or beyond. I mean, let's just begin with 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 yeah. on this earth. We, we ethnic Israel. Mm-hmm. What what is what, God what's has a go? plan? You yeah. know, uh, we we sometimes miss. Uh, that that there's a future even in the gospels you know people talk about luke 
being the gospel for the Gentiles, and it is. There's no question it was written for the Greco-Roman world. Uh, But uh, what Jesus says in Luke 21, he talks about that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed, and it was in AD 70. He was a prophet, and he gave this prophecy uh, that is going to be destroyed. It was going to be destroyed in AD 70. And then he says uh, that Jerusalem will be led, uh, that Jewish people will be led captive into all the nations and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles. And most people end there because that's what happened in AD 70. Sure, sure. They go, yeah, that's been fulfilled. Yeah. But then it, there's this other phrase that says, until, well, what? What? Until? <laughs> until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So there's an, et, uh, an expectation that one day the times of the Gentiles will be uh, come to an end and that Israel has, there's a plan for Jerusalem and for the Jewish people still to come. And it's right there. And another passage that I think is very helpful about this is Matthew 23. Okay, Matthew 23, verse 37 And again, the Lord Jesus is lamenting for Jerusalem, the the capital of the Jewish people. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, she who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, yet you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. The temple is going to be destroyed. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed destroyed. And that happened in AD 70. And then he says, for I tell you, you will not see me again until, there it is, there's that until. Yes, until, yeah. You will not see me. The Lord Jesus is going to ascend and the nation will not be looking at him, but you won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now that phrase, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is the term of welcome. Uh, in Hebrew, Baruch Haba B'Shem Adonai. Uh, it's the idea of welcome. If you go to Israel, to anyone's home today, instead of a welcome mat, you have a Baruch Haba'a, a blessed is he who comes mat. You have a sign on the door. It says Baruch Haba'a B'Shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah. And what the Lord Jesus is saying is, you're not going to see me again until you welcome me back. And that's the key. I believe the the tribulation period, Jeremiah 30, calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. It's a time of distress. God's putting the pressure on the Jewish people during that time. And the pressure will be so intense when the nations gather in Zechariah 12 and Zechariah 14, it talks about the nations gathering around Jerusalem. When that pressure becomes intense enough, the Jewish people will say, what can deliver us? Who can save us? And I think at that time, the leadership of Israel will come to the final realization, we have missed the Messiah, and he has come already, and they are going to welcome Jesus back. Zechariah 12.10 describes it as looking upon the one who is pierced and mourning in repentance for all the years of rejection. And they will look upon the pierced one and they will, will mourn because we missed him. I think the lament at that time will be the words of Isaiah 53, who could have believed it? We thought he was just so plain. We thought he was so ordinary. We thought he was not, he didn't stand up for himself. You know, he was, he seemed to be punished for his own sin, but now we know 
He was the promised one of Israel. And so they're going to look in, at him in faith, the one who is pierced, and they're going to believe in him. And that's what Paul is talking about when he says, and then all Israel will be saved. The entire nation will turn in faith. Now, there, is there going to be a straggler here or there? I, but yeah. when we say the vast... All doesn't always mean all, but it, it means, means a lot. Most of all. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I know one won't believe, and that's the false prophet sure. in the book of Revelation 13. He's obviously... Uh, he's a Jewish false prophet, the false Messiah, the Antichrist. He's Gentile. He comes from the, the sea. The false prophet comes from the land. So that indicates one's from Israel. One is from the, the sea of, of nations. But most every Jewish person at that point will follow the leadership and faith in Jesus. And then he will return. He'll judge the nations. And uh, then... They will enter the kingdom. And I love the depiction of what it's going to be like in the kingdom in Zechariah 8. Yes, yeah, Zechariah uh, 8. Okay. Israel is the central person, central nation in the Messianic kingdom. And uh, by the way, in the Moody Bible commentary, I've just recently, I've been studying Zechariah and I've been using the commentary. And it's always funny because I wrote the commentary on Zechariah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I wrote that? Like, no, what did what I say? Know? What did I say about that? <laughs> so anyway, but Zechariah 8.23, the Lord of hosts says this, in those days, 10 from nations of every language will grab the garment of a Jewish man tightly, urging, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Finally, Israel in the Messianic kingdom will fulfill her destiny. She will lead the nations to the worship of God. And yes, the whole world will know him, but it is his people who will be the chosen people who are leading the nations. That's what he always wanted. That's what they were chosen for. Uh, the Jewish people were chosen to lead the nations in the worship of God. They will bring him to faith in Jesus. He will lead them up onto the mountain of God in Jerusalem, and they will worship there and worship the Lord Jesus. That's the destiny of Israel. So there is this earthly uh, uh, sense of a promise yet to be fulfilled. When, yes. when you talk about the land thinking, you mentioned AD 70 earlier, you had from AD 70 until 1948, there's no map that has Israel on it. No, it's always Palestine, right? right so there. tough for people to believe that it yeah. could happen. And but yet, the, the land promise was there. He'll be God faithful. gave it to them. He's going right. to be faithful. faithful. Wow. Well, I can't believe it. <laughs> These two hours have flown by. Thank you, Cisco. Uh, Thank you. That's Cisco Cote who joined me to talk about 50 most important Bible questions. Uh, that's it for today. Thank you, Trisha McMillan, for producing and Courtney Young for being our engineer today. So great having you with us. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Remember, check out our website, openlineradio.org. It's got our current resource, 50 most important Bible questions you can get, or uh, how to, you can see how to become a kitchen table partner. You can also uh, see about the free gift from Chosen People Ministries. Anyway, keep reading the Bible. We're going to talk about it next week. Open Line is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. <laughs>